Let's check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun this morning. Lots for us to talk about. Let's start this morning, Vaughn, with Lytton because that remains a topic about rebuilding and how to rebuild is the critical question here. Yeah, I think there's a... You don't want to describe a community being flattened by fire as an opportunity, but it certainly is a an occasion where British Columbia, the national government, can take a look at building a more fire-safe community going forward. I'm encouraging to hear the Prime Minister and the Premier both say that the governments will be there to help lit and rebuild. That's a good thing. I did think the most interesting thing that anybody said, and it was the Premier who said it, that he he spoke of making... Lytton, a model community for the future. Uh, British Columbia is going to continue to deal with climate change. Uh, Wildfire threat is growing in British Columbia and communities that are close to the forest. It's especially dangerous. So I think that's a a good way going forward. There's an interview uh, Canadian Press did on the weekend with a professor at UBC, Professor Laurie Daniels, professor of forestry, Mm -hmm. and she talked about building a more fire-safe community as well. So there's some things there that should happen, I, I think, and hope that they will happen. Yeah, I saw some of that, and I thought, well, a lot of this makes perfect sense, right? Metal roofs, uh, making sure more of the materials used in rebuilding are fire-resistant. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, there are government buildings that were destroyed there, too, RCMP, and there'll be a, a medical clinic go back and that sort of thing. So government can certainly lead the way in that. The other the other problem here in British Columbia, and it's not just Lytton, is the interface, the area where the community intrudes into the forest and or is too close to it. There's a continuing issue in British Columbia of removing the fuel, the debris on the forest floor, cleaning out the forest. Uh, No, not chopping down all the trees, but um, creating safety barriers around communities. So all of that going forward uh, is important. And I I think you'll see, you know, when this season is over and may it be soon, uh, the government will again be topping up the funding to clean out the interface. But I think with Lytton, uh, there's a chance there as well, government in consultation with the regional district, the community, the First Nation community that's there as well, of saying, okay, well, you know, we're going to be spending a lot of money rebuilding Lytton anyway, so let's make it a community that other communities in BC will go, oh, this is the way to do it for the future. Is that usually how it goes then, Vaughn? Like, I'm thinking about places down in the United States, whether it's wildfires, hurricanes, whatever, do they just automatically rebuild? Well, you know, that's one of the... One of the things that really jumps out at uh, you when you look at how the Americans deal with things, they have, they have very, very generous government rebuilding. When they, they declare a state of emergency down there, uh, a lot of money becomes available to rebuild. But, you know, there's a good piece in the New York Times on the weekend, uh, California wakes up. And one of the things that piece said was that um, after the last wildfire season, in California, uh, a a piece of research by uh, determined that an awful lot of the fires, a lot of the communities that were destroyed in California or seriously damaged, had been burned out before and rebuilt on the spot in pretty much the same way as they'd been built the first time. And, you know, it wasn't in yesterday's piece, but if you go back in the archives, and Times has reported on this as well, that's true 
in the hurricane destroyed and ravaged communities on the east coast. You know, the the buildings along the water wiped out, dumped into the ocean, and they're rebuilt on the spot. So going forward, uh, you know, the Americans have got it right, I think, in terms of generosity, and their warning systems are pretty good. But it strikes me that we wouldn't we want to learn from their bad example when it comes to rebuilding. If we're going to rebuild, and yes, people want to rebuild, uh, it's their community. Yes, I know Lytton's been called Canada's Death Valley, but people want to go back to Lytton. What government can do, in my mind, is yes, we will help, but let's make a community that is less vulnerable to wildfire and heat waves in the future. Right. So let's try to learn something from this for the benefit of the residents there, too. Oh, very much so. And, you know, I think residents, they'll be open for it. I think the one thing they'll be hoping is that government doesn't get bogged down and uh, get going on it as well. Right. You don't they won't want government to spend the next two years discover studying how they're going to and consulting how they're going to rebuild Lytton. But I mean, uh, some of this work is right there ready to be done. So I think it's possible to properly consult and get going on it uh, and rebuilding as an example, uh, without spending too much time, because naturally people want to get their homes back, their town back, and get on with their lives. Okay, and uh, let's talk about getting out and about. I know you've been out and about. You were checking out uh, Beacon Hill Park. Yeah, you know, I I grumbled on the show, as you know, about uh, what had happened to Beacon Hill Park Mm -hmm. here in, uh, in the capital through the winter in particular. It had been turned into a giant homeless encampment, and there was some pretty disturbing news reports about, you know, there had been a stabbing, there was a death, uh, violence. And I know, uh, talking to my neighbors in the community here in the capital, there were lots of people that just weren't going into the park. They didn't think it was safe. So uh, a fair update on what happened. You may recall that uh, David Eby, the housing minister, made a deal with Victoria City Council and said, you know, the province is, is going to ride to the rescue on this and provide alternative housing in return for which he hoped that the city would clear out the encampments in the park. And both things have happened. Uh, we've uh, I've been walking through the park again, and uh, the park, uh, hmm, you know, I, I'm, I may be missing some of the some of the effect, after effects of the large homeless encampment that existed through the park, but for the most part, the park is full of people again and uh, seems to be a safe space, and it's one of the great attractions of the provincial capital. So hats off to the city council for getting there, and hats off to EB. It was not a cheap solution, yeah. I will tell you, Simi. Uh, Rob Shaw, check. Uh, TV here in the capital uh, did a preliminary estimate. It was more than $100 million that the provincial government has spent on alternative housing, and there are some problems with the places. They bought a bunch of motels and put people into them, but it is a good example, and I know you've had reports on the struggle between EB versus the city council in Penticton, where he said, look, the one thing that the province is not going to stand for is moving people out of that homeless shelter and into the parks, because once they're in the parks, it's damn hard to get them out. And of course, the park is lost to the public. And just ask Victoria, just ask Vancouver. So it's not, as I say, a cheap solution, but nevertheless, 
it is a solution that has has freed up the park. And interesting, next year is a uh, election year and mm. uh, the municipal level, and I see Victoria City Council has imposed a two-year ban on camping in the park, and they seem determined to make it stick. So, uh, hey, Penticton, have a look at what happened here. Uh, as I say, it's not a cheap solution, but it's a solution, and we've got the park back here in Victoria. It works, I guess. It worked in that case. Uh, Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Simi.